Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend. It's Monday, November 30th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. How news outlets are adjusting to a time after President Trump. Plus, a primer on the social media site Parler. And today's one big thing. What you need to know about the top three COVID vaccines. But first, here's where things stand. Dr. Anthony Fauci said yesterday on NBC's Meet the Press that he expects over the next couple of weeks... We might see a surge superimposed upon that surge that we're already in. You heard that right. A surge on top of a surge. The CDC is projecting between roughly 10 and 21,000 deaths by December 19th. So let's get to that hope. There are three major vaccine candidates. Two are likely to get emergency use authorization in the coming weeks. A third showed promising results but is facing questions. And more candidates are close behind. I know that's a lot of information. So to break it all down, one by one, Sam Baker is here. He's Axios' healthcare editor. Let's start with the Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine, which was the first one out of the gate. In its trial, its two doses presented 95% of virus cases. It is also, though, the fussiest. It has to be kept at these incredibly cold temperatures, negative 70 degrees. And as soon as you take it out of that super cold storage, you have to use it within a couple of days. You'll probably see that one distributed mostly to cities where these super cold storage infrastructure is already in place. Okay, next up is Moderna's vaccine candidate. It also showed about 95% effectiveness, and it doesn't need to be kept nearly as cold as Pfizer's. It can sort of travel a little bit further because it's easier to distribute than the Pfizer one. It's negative 20 to travel, and then it can live in the fridge for a little bit longer, which means you could take it to places where you don't have those facilities. That means this vaccine could reach cities that the Pfizer vaccine can't. If you're in rural areas, you're going to have to sort of send a shipment to a city where you can keep it super cold and then radiate it out from there to other communities. That'll be much easier to do with the Moderna vaccine than the Pfizer vaccine. So that brings us to the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine, where we heard latest results about from last week. This is the one that can vaccinate the rest of the world and the developing world in particular. When the vaccine makers reported results, its two doses were more effective when the first dose was just half strength. But now there are questions about that study's quality controls. So AstraZeneca is gearing up to do a full trial and approval could be delayed. If it does make it to the finish line, it's likely to be the vaccine used in places where shipping and refrigeration are most difficult. The developers are part of an international consortium called COVAX, where they have agreed to provide doses in the developing world, which Pfizer and Moderna have not. It is the cheapest vaccine, and it is also the one that is easiest to store and ship. You only have to keep it as cold as a refrigerator, which is pretty easy to do. What we're watching for now is the results of a fourth vaccine, this one from Johnson & Johnson, which is in late-stage trials. And given how hard it will be to manufacture, ship, and administer millions, if not billions, of these various vaccines, we'll likely need all of them. We'll be back in 15 seconds with what life looks like for news outlets after President Trump leaves office. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Axios today. Those of us in the news business are quite familiar with what we call the Trump bump. It's the fact that Donald Trump's presidency fueled record high ratings for TV networks like CNN and Fox News and led the New York Times and the Washington Post to triple their digital newspaper subscribers. Sarah Fisher is Axios's media reporter, and she's here to talk to us about how, as President Trump prepares to leave office, those news organizations are getting ready to rethink their strategies. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Nyla. So I think the first big question, Sarah, is how news outlets have sort of managed the inherent conflict that the more inflammatory President Trump has been, the better it's been for business in some ways. Yeah, there's been a lot of criticism of news organizations for giving Donald Trump and some of his surrogates airtime when they spew misinformation or when they continue to hit the press itself. As we've seen, some of that airtime has been great for ratings. And so what's next is news companies are going to have to figure out, one, who are the new people that they can put on air that are going to draw ratings? And two, what did they learn from Donald Trump's sort of weaponization of the mainstream media to help better inform them moving forward so they don't get duped again? And is that something that's mostly a television news problem? Or do you see this for big newspaper outlets like The Post and The Times as well? I think the question for newspapers is, now that you don't have somebody who's making headlines every single day with disinflammatory speech, how are you going to get people to buy subscriptions? How much is Fox worried about losing out to new networks or networks gaining significance like Newsmax or One America News Network? This is a very different landscape if you are a conservative-leaning outlet. We're seeing Newsmax start to draw some record-high cable ratings. But overall, Nyla, I wouldn't expect Newsmax to really put a dent in what Fox News is doing on television. What I think is the next thing to watch is how does conservative media splinter online? You're starting to see Drudge Report and some of the others that really split apart from the president own up to the fact that the election is done. And then you have another set of sort of fringe right websites that are doubling down on the conspiracy. Sarah Fisher writes the Media Trends newsletter for Axios. That splintering is happening in social media as well. And one site has seen its user base double just since Election Day. It's called Parler, and its defining feature is that you can say just about anything. No need to worry about the app labeling something as misinformation or slowing its spread. When Parler started in 2018, it didn't set out to be a conservative alternative to Twitter and Facebook, but that's in effect what it has become. Senator Ted Cruz is a user, as is Rudy Giuliani and both Eric and Donald Trump Jr. So far, their father has only threatened to move to Parler. Axios's own business editor, Dan Primack, also joined Parler this year. So, Dan, can you explain what makes it different than other social media? So it works fairly similarly to Twitter in terms of how you use it, in terms of how you respond, et cetera. But in short, there isn't moderation or content moderation by the company itself. So it basically hews to the traditional understanding of this so-called Section 230, which is that social media platforms, whether they be Parler, or Twitter, or Facebook, are not publishers. So Parler basically says you can put anything up there. If it is misinformation, then other people will decide you're an uncredible source and will stop listening to you. For people who have not joined Parler, what do you want people to know about it? 
You mentioned in the open that all sorts of Trump acolytes and friends and pals are on there. The man himself is not. And I don't know why that is, but that's the big fish. They need Trump to be on there. And I think the real question for Parler is, can it outlast the kind of post-election rage cycle? And I don't know the answer to that yet. Dan Primack hosts the Axios Recap podcast. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Before we go, a quick shopping update. This year's Black Friday turned out to be the second largest online spending day in U.S. history, with consumers shelling out $9 billion. That's according to data from Adobe Analytics, which estimates that today Cyber Monday sales could exceed Fridays by about 40%. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.